This is Cavernie and True Crime. It's a place where good wine and true crime come together. Hi, friends. I'm sorry I took the week off last week. Uh, it was my 29th birthday. As my mom keeps reminding me, the last year of my 20s has arrived. And um, while I thought nothing fun was going to happen because of, you know, the current circumstances, uh, Chris actually threw me a cute little social distancing surprise party. Don't worry, we were under a group of 10 and we were outdoors. And um, he also got me reservations at my favorite restaurant. So I got to enjoy my favorite French Malbec at... um, my favorite restaurant and that was really cool so shout out to Chris even though you don't listen to my podcast you are the man I love you quite much (laughs) so with all that happening and also my birthday being on Memorial Day you know it was a hectic time I was hungover as shit and I did not record anything so um just know that I had a good birthday but at the expense of not recording anything last week and here I am so Hi, how are you? <laughs> I just bought a bunch of stuff off Wish for an uh, upcoming video. I hope if you haven't if you haven't checked out the YouTube channel Just the Cab, I think you should. Um, I enjoy my videos very much. I think they're very funny. I really enjoy myself making and editing those videos, and uh, it's like a good, like light-hearted facet to this because like this is all the dark to the true crime what we all hear and love um we're all here for it and then the other side is just the cab where it's kind of more lighthearted and funny and unboxing and snacks and makeup it's like I mean but not it's not chick flicky because I am not like necessarily a girly girl by any means (laughs) so that's just you know there that's that there you go have it um, I almost just spilled my drink all over Chris's very expensive shirts, and he would have been upset about it. Okay, uh, yeah, let's just get into it. Um, I was going to, I was going to research a different one, and then I thought I was going to cover this last weekend, and then research the one I was planning on researching for today. But as I did just explain, things got a little haywire last week, and so I didn't record um, this one, so I'm going to record this one this week so that my hard work does not go to waste, okay? Okay. I knew you guys would all agree, and if you don't, well, I don't hear it, so So I'm just kind of living my best life, sitting in the podcast closet, love to be back here, love to talk to you guys about true crime, and even though I keep saying I'm going to start, I'm actually going to start in three, two, one. So today, my lovely friends, today we are going to be talking about David Joseph Carpenter, also known as the Trailside Killer. He was born on May 6, 1930 in San Francisco. He was abused by his father, um, who was a known alcoholic, and his mother was apparently the domineering type. I'm not entirely sure what that meant. I'm assuming strict. Um, David had a severe stutter as a child and had a problem wetting the bed. He also had a problem with being cruel to animals. So I, I, you know, McDonald triad, anybody, mayhaps. Um, I don't know about his, um, if he had an affinity to lighting things on fire, but if he did, um, could maybe point us in that direction as you are well aware. 
So at age 13, uh, David Carpenter was incarcerated for molesting two of his younger cousins, and in 1955, he got married and had three children. I do not know the length of his incarceration. All I do know is that in 1955, he was married and had kids. Also, my washing machine is making a terrifying sound, so if you hear that, I am... I'm very sorry, because it is horrifying, but I'm not leaving this closet to check and see what's going on out there. I guess I'll find out when I'm done, huh? Um, So in 1960, David attempted to kill a woman named Lois Rinna, who is the mother of celebrity Lisa Rinna, who is known for her roles as Billy Reed on Days of Our Lives, which my grandmother loved that show, and Taylor McBride on Melrose Place. She was also on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, ironically, David had apparently known Lois Rinna. Lisa, in an Elle magazine article, said that she had known David and his family and that she was a very trusting person, meaning her mom. She said Lois was a really trusting person. So apparently on one occasion, David offered Lois a ride and she accepted. David had a hammer in his hand and a knife in the other at some point. Um, This whole scene isn't, at least from what I could read, not super uh, descriptive as to what happened. But at some point on the car ride, um, David had a hammer in one hand and a knife in the other and then tried to rape and kill Lois. But a military policeman saw the car they were in drive down a deserted drive and no like that guy apparently knew that that a car had no reason to go down there there wasn't any houses there wasn't it was just an abandoned like dead end street so this um military policeman was like yeah it's probably some kids trying to hook up like there's no reason for anybody to do back there so he was going to try to bust them but he ended up saving Lois Rinna from David Carpenter and so David Carpenter was arrested and spent seven and a half years in prison for the attack. And at that point, in several points, other um, several other points in the story, a lot of people try to tie him in with the Zodiac Killer. And um, I mean, we'll get into why he's not in just a little bit. So David Carpenter served his time for um, his attack on Lois Rinna and was released by 1970. Uh, after that, he was caught committing more crimes, this time two accounts of kidnapping and robbery. But I couldn't find any information on that. And I really did try to dig. So if you find information on it, please do share that with me because I couldn't find anything. Um, because of those uh, crimes he committed, he was sentenced to another seven years in prison. And apparently, which I saw one article that said this didn't happen and one article that said it did. So I'm going to mention it, but know that... It might not be true. Apparently, at some point on the transfer to the penitentiary, he and four other inmates escaped from the Calveras County Jail, and he, at some point, was recaptured by the FBI, served his time, and then was paroled in 1977. So, he found a job in San Francisco. He was working at at, um, a printing studio, um, printing photos for the local print shop. Everyone thought he had gotten his act together, which... I mean, when you really think about that, okay, so this guy tried to brutally murder someone in cold blood, supposedly a family friend, right? And then right after that, right after he gets out of jail from that, he gets um, convicted of two counts of kidnapping and robbery. I mean, does that sound like somebody who's going to spend some time in jail and be easily reformed? I mean, I guess everybody's different, but in my personal opinion, when you try to savagely attack a, quote, family friend... In cold blood for no reason, I don't think some time in jail is going to make you regular. 
right? So unless he had some, maybe some therapy that, you know, we were never, I mean, we know he doesn't get better. That's the thing. So we know at the end of this, like, he's not like a reformed individual at the end of this. So you could assume that he never had therapy. He never, counseling, excuse me, never worked through any of this. So for people to be like, oh yeah, he got a job. uh, That does not mean he's better, by any means like that absolutely does not constitute him being better you should still be very concerned about this guy right I mean I guess at the end of the day that's my own personal opinion and if you agree with that cool if you don't cool I just think I'd need more proof than just assuming he was like golden after that but that's just my own personal opinion um So on August 20th, 1979, the naked, violated body of 44-year-old Etta Kane was found on a hiking trail in Mount Tempalis State Park. She was murdered execution-style, shot in the head while kneeling. On March 7th, 1980, 23-year-old Barbara Swartz went hiking in the park. Her body was found on March 8th on a narrow, unpaved trail. She was stabbed repeatedly in the chest while kneeling in the dirt. On June 4th, 1980, Anna Menhavas was discovered dead in Mount Tempalis State Park. On October 15, 1980, 26-year-old Ann Alderson went jogging near the park and never returned. Her body was found the next day with three bullets in her head. She had been killed execution style. On November 27, 1980, 25-year-old Shauna May failed to show up for a date. Two days later, search teams found her body in a shallow grave. Next to her body was another corpse, much further decomposed, who was identified to be 22-year-old Diana O'Connell. She had been reported missing after going for a hike in the park almost a month earlier. Both women were killed by gunshot wounds to the head. The same day, Shauna May and Diana O'Connell were found, and literal hours before their discovery, two more bodies at Point Reyes were found. Richard Stowers, 19, and Cynthia Moreland, 18, who had been missing since September, and they, they told their friends they were going for a hike in that same area that they were found. They, too, had been murdered execution style. So at this point, understandably so, there's a downright panic in Northern California, which, once again, understandably so. So the Zodiac had made his final appearance around January 29th, 1974. He had sent a letter praising The Exorcist as the best satirical comedy that he had ever seen. Okay, so if you think about it, though, with these trail murders starting up in Northern California only a couple years after the fact, it's pretty understandable why they'd be nervous. Because if you think, like, you think about it, this whole area had just been ravaged by a serial killer that nobody could catch and nobody had any clues and nobody had any idea of who it was, who was actively taunting the police to be, for it to be, like, quiet for a couple years and then for this to, for them to start finding bodies and, like, for stuff to be starting to pick back up, you can absolutely understand why people were panicking because a lot of people thought the Zodiac was back. And if that's the case, police couldn't catch him before, so why would they be able to catch him now? So there was an outright panic in Northern California. Um, yeah. So this killer, though, um, new or otherwise, was different from the Zodiac because the Zodiac taunted police with cryptic letters, as I just said, and this new, quote, trailside killer didn't taunt the police. He let his actions speak loud and clear. So he, he didn't... His crimes are so grisly that he didn't have to taunt the police for it. And that was, like, the, the big dis- distinction between the two was that the Zodiac was actively, you know, sending the police letters and teasing them and coaxing them on where this guy was just I mean for lack of a better term mowing people down and not 
ever surfacing at all and telling people what he was doing. On March 29th, 1981, two more hikers were attacked. So he ambushed um, this serial killer, who I'm assuming you've put two and two together that you know who the serial killer is by now, but maybe you don't. So this killer ambushed two hikers at Henry Cowell State Park, um, the woman being Ellen Hansen, who was killed outright. Um, she was shot several times. And Stephen Hartle, who was left for dead. But despite awful wounds, so he had his neck cut, um, his hand and one eye was damaged. He was able to give a description of the attacker and the design of the car. He was able to get, like, crawl to help and get help. And he was able to identify his attacker for the most part. On May 1st, 1981, a man called police and informed them that his girlfriend, Heather Skaggs, had gone missing. Her last known whereabouts were going to purchase a car from one of her co-workers, a man named David Carpenter. According to the boyfriend, Heather said that Carpenter had made a point to uh, comment that she should pick up the car alone. So, And David Carpenter also worked at the same place that Heather Skaggs did at that photo print shop. Police went to question David and noticed that, in addition to his weird connection with the missing Heather Skaggs, that he looked a heck of a lot like some of the compos- the composite. Yep, he looked <laughs> a heck of a lot like the composite sketches of the trailside killer. And his swanky, foreign red car matched the description of the car that Stephen Hartel said his attacker had driven. So they're starting to put a couple things together here that, like, holy crap, they might have landed on this guy, and like they're they're ready for it now. Okay. So police ran a background check on David and uh, noticed his questionable and, you know, very troubling past. Because if you think about it, David Carpenter had spent a lot of his life incarcerated for violent crimes, right? Like kidnapping, um, attempted murder, etc. He'd spent over 14 to 15 years in prison for those things. And he had also molested and spent time in jail for his uh, cousins, nieces, cousins, two of his cousins. So... Uh, you know, people are like, oh, this dude, he's kind of weird, and also he's got a really violent sexual history. He has a weird connection with Heather Skaggs, and he also worked at the same place she did. That was the last place she was found, so, uh, it's probably this guy, (laughs) right? At this point, police should be like, ding, 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 we fucking found him. So, uh, They also compared his mugshots to composite drawings, and on May 14th, 1981, David was taken into custody. Ten days later, on May 24th, 1981, which was ten years and one day to my birthday, (laughs) Heather's body was found by hikers in Big Basin Redwood State Park. Like the others, Heather had been killed execution style with the same pistol that Stephen Harrell and his girlfriend Ellen Hansen had been attacked with just two months earlier. It took some finagling, but eventually detectives went on a wild goose chase and were able to link Carpenter to the pistol that killed Heather and Ellen and almost killed Stephen Hartle. Um, Now that David was connected, police looked at the murder that took place over a year ago. Originally, the murder of Anna Manhavis um, hadn't been connected to the other trailside killings, but during the investigation, police learned that she was a longtime friend of David and he often drove her home from work. So once he found, once they found out that he had known her, she was lumped in to the possible suspects, or not the possible suspects, possible victims, because she, you know, she had um, disappeared and passed away mysteriously. But she was also friends with this guy who is being convicted of killing three people. Well, killing, yeah, killing two people and attempting to kill a third. So it all kind of just fell together. 
Um, on May 10th, 1988, David Carpenter was convicted of first-degree murder in the cases of Richard Stowers, Cynthia Moreland, Shauna May, Diana O'Connell, and Ann Alderson. He was also found guilty of raping the two, wo- two women and attempting to rape a third. And at that time, he was sentenced to die in the gas chamber. So, following his conviction um, in that county, so this took place, and I didn't go into very deep detail, because I feel like in a podcast, these these county details are kind of lost. But So, he was tried for all these in one county, and then there were still remaining crimes in a different county. So, um, he was tried and convicted by a jury in a different county for the murders of two other women, Ellen Hansen and Heather Skaggs. Um, and that at that time... He was also found guilty of the attempted murder of Stephen Harrell, the attempted rape of Hansen, and the rape of Skaggs. Hansen, who was a University of California Davis student, um, made a... Oh, she, sorry. She has a memorial scholarship created in her honor um, because of her courage during the attack. Apparently, she stood up for herself, and her bravery in the situation allowed Harrell to escape alive. Um, in 1995, the, the convictions of, of, um, sorry, David Carpenter against Ellen Hansen, Heather Skaggs, and the attempted murder of Stephen Harrell, they were overturned due to juror misconduct, um, but then the California Supreme Court later reinstated those convictions. So at one point he was almost, I mean, he was still screwed from the rest of the murders, but he had almost lost he almost got off with the one murders um in Santa Cruz and luckily the California Supreme Court was like yeah no we're gonna you're gonna stay convicted for those so um in December 2009 San Francisco police re-examined evidence um from October 21st 1979 um there was a murder of Mary Frances Bennett she was jogging at Land's End and she was attacked and stabbed to death um the DNA sample obtained from that uh event in that crime scene matched Carpenter's DNA and in February 2010 the police confirmed the match with the recently obtained sample from Carpenter um, and he is still a suspect in the murders of Etta Kane and Barbara Schwartz. But so he was, um, it was found out that he actually did kill Mary Frances Bennett. So his actual number is kind of unknown because this is all the people that we know that he might, well, that he was most likely involved in. And there are other people out there that may have gone missing and have never been found or, you know, were assumed runaways. We would never know. Um, and as of today... Uh, David Carpenter is 90 years old, and he still remains on San Quentin's death row. And that, my lovely party people, was David Carpenter or the Trailside Killer. And this has been your True Crime Tuesday. Um, I hope you all have a fantastic, amazing, wonderful week ahead of you. Um, like I said, if you're feeling down or feeling blue, I've got some YouTube videos that make me laugh, so maybe they'll make you laugh. So if you want to check it out, Just the Cab is my YouTube channel. Uh, I also post everything on Instagram. Not for Just the Cab. I haven't figured out how to do that yet. I mean, I know how to post things on Instagram. I just don't know how to connect the two together yet. It hasn't felt right. So if you're looking for a laugh, if this depressed you like it depressed me, uh, you can watch some lighthearted videos. They might cheer you up. And if not, then... I'm sorry. (laughs) And with that being said, the laptop is closed. And this has been your True Crime Tuesday.